Mahdi's elbows got mad, though not as mad as Holtman got losing to Sparty. But after a disappointing loss on the road in College Park, everyone's asking, January, February, Izzo? You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves to Wolverines Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined, of course, by the man who said MSU basketball was dead in the water last week and is here to eat his roadkill crow, Kevin Greck. Greckers, how you doing, buddy? Bro, that's delicious crow. This is the all-time best crow. But it's also not full-on crow because MSU lost to Maryland today. But I'll take some crow. <laughs> we'll get into it in a second. I'll, ta- I'll take I'll some s- crow. I'll take some crow for sure. Uh, and I am, of course, joined by the one-man Thomas Kithier fan club, Alex Plum. Plum, how are you doing, buddy? I'm just over here loving Thomas Kithier for being Michigan State's best basketball player. Go, Bro. Tommy. I can't even tell you what Thomas Kithier's contributions have been over the last three games. Because there are so many. Because there are so many. Which would you choose? Which would you choose? You don't even know. I mean, I know he contributed some fouls. I know that he did, you know, he got some rebounds in a couple games. Yes, boards. I got to get back. Like, uh, he played one minute today against Maryland. (laughs) One minute. And he got a rebound. Is this is Plum not able to accept criticism in a healthy way that we are seeing right here? Um, we're going to, uh, of course, start the show off with a segment called The Green Wall, where we cover the stories that were for MSU sports in the past week. We will then head off Grand River. We'll talk about uh, the one, the only Curtis Blackwell. Uh, and then we will talk about Gauntlet Part 2 as we preview the games ahead before taking your Twitter questions. Gentlemen, I, I hate to interrupt, but I just want to, uh, just because we're talking about the structure of the show, is it, could we say that we're closing the book on, on Curtis Blackwell? Is this it for him? I believe and it that, is. That's a lead in to a segment for another time. Okay. Uh, but yes, he, dude, dude might as well just have dead emojis uh, anytime he's trying to uh, gotcha. text. Um, so yeah, we're we're going to start basketball and I think we're coming I, I want to start first a bit of a <clears throat> maybe emotional self-check that I think we should all do because we we started to talk about this before we got to recording about how we're feeling um but we're recording coming off of a loss to Maryland that was not fun to watch by any means. Uh I am curious though how we would feel if say Instead of playing Illinois, then Ohio State, and then Maryland, but instead we played Illinois, Maryland, and Ohio State, but the 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 wins against the respective teams were the same, and the loss to Maryland still existed. How would we be feeling then? So, I what's another way of saying is we just went three for four. One team that was in the tournament that we pushed out of the tournament beat two top five teams, and then. Took a deuce on the road uh, at Maryland for sure, but stinky deuce. Uh, I would I would say that actually we've got to finish the job against Indiana in this next game to really truly push them out for and sure. potentially take their spot. I, I know from our pre-talk before the episode that there is some disagreement on that, but I think uh, I, I think we should be in a good, generally positive space right now based on the outcome of the last three games. 
personally. And Plum, your different reaction. We aren't going to make it. <laughs> no, we're not going to make it. I mean, I, I do think we will beat Indiana for sure. Um, but I think we have to win both Michigan games to be competitive here. And, no, uh, no, yeah, I do. I do. I think so. Given the, given the, I mean, I know you want to chalk up those five, four and five wins. That's lovely. I mean, yeah. Beating Illinois, being Illinois, it's big, it's bigly. And then you drop the game, the kind of game you do against Maryland. I mean, we're going to talk about this, but I think the committee looks at that and goes, so then what the hell team are we looking at here? Because their highs are great. But the consistency is so far from present that I think it really casts aspersion about the entire team. No, I think that's exactly the type of team that the uh, that the, the committee, committee wants, wants in the team, <laughs> especially well, with a seed like the one that MSU would have. Yeah, like imagine the the headlines that people are going to be like, "Oh, fourteenth seeded Michigan State goes up against X team." Yeah, like what's going to happen there? That's going to be. Great game with great. So, well, then fine. But then we have to beat we have to beat Michigan at least once. I agree with that to a to a degree. I I I think so. I think I think a win against Indiana and a Big Ten tournament win gets us in just fine. I also agree with that. I agree with everyone. I'm just an agreeable guy. You guys are very very dumb. But this is going to be good. I look forward to this. (laughs) You have you have an opinion that no person in bracketology has. But anyway, let's let's get to the point at hand, which is we did have three or two wins this week, one loss. Um, I don't know. You know, we don't have to stick too closely to breaking down each individual game. But uh, just to sort of roll over, we played Illinois uh, at home, 181 to 72, played Ohio State at home, 171 to 67, and then lost today, Sunday, 55 to 73 at Maryland. So. Let's start with that Illinois game, and I, I just want to remind listeners that what we said keys to the game were, um, when we previewed the game, were that you had to ugly things up with Coburn because he was a 58, 59% free throw shooter. Um, and uh, Well, Illinois as a team missed a lot of free throw shots. Sure. Just a wild number of free throw shots. Uh, it's the opposite of what happened today. But MSU stuck with the, uh, the small ball lineup, and I mean, hey, we put up 81 points. That's pretty great, right? Show enough. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, we. There were two things that we talked about last week. One was it was the spark that we saw against uh, Indiana. Was that a trend or was that flash in the pan? And I think we've seen that that is at least mostly a trend. And the other question was, will uh, Izzo stick with a small ball lineup? I was wrong on both of these. Uh, he were a did, lot I mean, of Illinois, that Illinois game was the small balliest of them all. Basically, Hauser uh, was playing the five at the end there. Yeah. And we we saw a lot of Henry advancing up the, the court with the ball and, and getting into the offensive sets when we had to, because there was a lot of transition bucketage in that game that was very nice. So we saw point by committee. Uh, in that game. And we saw Aaron Henry go super Saiyan and we saw Josh Langford almost have a double, double by halftime. It was wild. So I was a little bit concerned during that game that what we were seeing was just elements of the team playing really well. Uh, I will point out that rocket Watts was plus five in that game or something like that, which uh, is really good for rocket Watts. Uh, So uh, (sighs) I mean, but they won. They won handily, 
against yes. the number four team, the then number four team in the country. Yeah. Uh, number was, five, number five. And, and I would point out, they had the opportunity. There was that moment where, of course, I don't know how much we want to talk about the drama, but of course, uh, Maddie Sissoko was escorted off of the court. And there were like three terrible fouls in 30 seconds. And we were only up by five or something like that. And I thought this team could absolutely fold. I thought I thought it was entirely possible that that was the end of the game. Uh, but they didn't. They they actually they pulled kept, it out. They kept their medal. They kept their medal. It was a test of the medal, and they proved it. Yep. I, it was very encouraging out. Let's just dispense with this once and for all. The pod agrees that that was a flagrant two foul. We agree that uh, the ejection was appropriate. Uh, he's expressed remorse. He's contacted Iodisomu. He's let him know. You know, nothing personal there. The coaches have talked. I think the teams are good with each other. It was, you know, he was, he was, uh, it took it all, things a little too far, got a little too carried away. We can point to, and many have pointed to, um, the criminality that Coburn got away with, uh, you know, in the we lane. We pointed to on Twitter. That, yes, that the, we pointed, the, the, and, and Mr. Pat 40. And many have. I mean, the, so the point remains. Dude got ratioed on our stuff. So, yes. So, you know, again, it's not excusing it. It's not saying, oh, if that hadn't happened, this wouldn't have happened. That's not, that's not it. It is to say that you have to keep these things in balance. And I think the biggest result from all of this is that Illinois fans are very, very soft. Worst. Very soft. Worst. Very, you have to understand, soft. you need to keep it in context of the pride of Illinois basketball fandom mm-hmm. and how they've had literally nothing to be excited about since like 2005. So their colors are orange and blue. (laughs) So I think that's all we need to say about that. Let's go back to the color wheel discussion of last week. Listen, it's not brown and yellow, but it's also (laughs) not far off. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, uh, good for them. Ohio State. Yeah. Um, the a game that is much tighter. Uh, last time we said uh, that we needed to shoot better than the prior time that we played Ohio State, which uh, I, I did Low comment bar. was it, well, yes, uh, and that really was that we shot terribly against Ohio State the first time we uh, we played them. Uh, said we need to figure out the bigs early and control the three point line. Um, I would say that generally speaking, that played out correctly. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, the, we didn't see as quality of guard play, um, in the Ohio state game as we did against Illinois, though you can imagine coming off of a real physical battle against Illinois that Ohio state would be tougher. Um, but, uh, just looking at it, we, you know, we talked about EJ Liddell, uh, and justice suing, uh, held them to 18 and 10 respectively. Um, which was an improvement over the last time we played them, kept and, Justin and Arns I, silent. Yes. Yeah, that was wild. Uh, and in fact, I think uh, Brother brother Arns, Spartan Arns, uh, reached out to, uh, Josh Langford. to Josh Langford about the block. <laughs> on him, right? You had to congratulate him. Yeah. Spartan Brotherhood greater than actual brotherhood yes. is my takeaway yeah. uh, from that. But what that I wanted to, to me, what that I wanted to point out, to Liddell uh, is most of his points came from the line. I mean, he would, yes, yes. Shot very poorly from the field four for 13. That's bad for him. Uh, he did shoot 10 for 12 from the free throw 
range. So of his 18 points, 10 came at the line, and it was definitely part of the scout to get him there and disrupt him and make him feel uncomfortable. And the team succeeded in that. Like, you know, credit to him for converting at the line where it counted, but you know, when he got those shots off on the from the floor, he was very uncomfortable. And that was obvious throughout the game. Yeah. I, I would say, I, I think I, this was a defensive performance really worth hanging our hat on for me when, when I watched this game. You know, we trailed this game uh, the majority of the, of the game. So we were behind, yeah. you know, well, I mean, well more than we were ahead at, at any point. Uh, down, I think up, well, we were down by 11 at one point. Or no, no, was it nine? Did we ever get to 11? Early maybe? I don't know. I know we were down by nine because we were texting and sort of was like, if it becomes a 10 point game, I got to turn it off. But the the point was we battled back and that was, that came on the heels of a very strong defensive performance. It didn't hurt us that they were not shooting as well as they could have. And as they have this season, but, but that is at least partly related to the strength of our defense, uh, shutting down opportunities, shutting down passing lanes, forcing turnovers, getting boards. I mean, this was the kind of defensive performance that Thomas has been looking for from this team all season. So MSU had a four minute offensive drought uh, early in the second half that resulted in MSU ultimately being down nine. I think that was down it. nine was the biggest, that was the biggest uh, margin of the game. Okay. They took MSU took the lead with three minutes to go, which was right around the time where uh, I started. I mean, I, I got really impressed. I think that might have been like a, a Hauser three point shot or something in there. Yeah. The that, only, the only, I mean, Izzo even called it out in the press conference after the game. He's like, Hauser with the three. I mean, I think everyone can recognize that was the only contribution that Joey Hauser has made to the Michigan State University <laughs> men's basketball program all season. And we're grateful for it. It came in the right time. Uh, clearly, it didn't come today at all. But you know what? Maybe you only get one a week. I'm not sure. The the Hauser free throw uh, dropped the lead to one, uh, OSU 61, MSU 60, and then free throws of all things, mm-hmm. Alex Plum, free throws were what took the lead and then ultimately sealed the game. I mean that- Yeah, but that, hold on, but hold on, but hold on. And how many of those free throws did Hauser miss? Mm-hmm. Is that he what's went, important? He went 50 Family threes are worth way more <laughs> no, than individual free throws. Oh my God. That's well known. My God. What do we think about that? Uh, that like cold blooded Josh Langford in the one, three, one zone, yeah. uh, oh, like right that. in the thick of it. Beautiful. Two point mid range jumper, which is just like exactly what he's been training for his entire life. Dude loves the two-point shot, especially as far away from the basket the, as possible. The risk reward able, on those. My God. Oh, to be able to just go right into that meaty, you know, underbelly of the one-three-one defense and drain that shot to basically, I thought, win the game. Oh it was ugly. That, it was beautiful and it was ugly. God that's, damn it. That's like the culmination of yes. his whole MSU career was that one shot. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, it, of it which is, he had only hit one previously. Right, 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 right. This was definitely Langford not having as great of a game. <coughs> Henry, though, eight like this. This stat line, it's not as well. It's it, Henry's stat line was okay. Uh, Eighteen points, four rebounds, four assists, three blocks, two steals. But you do have four turnovers there. Um. What was interesting in this game is the number of minutes A.J. Hogard was playing. Hmm. He got 21 minutes, uh, 
three boards, six assists, only one turnover and six points. But I, I'm just, I'm curious if this was just an okay game for AJ, because I, I think it's fair to say after the Maryland game, uh, he, he gets lost on defense a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit. Oh, a bit. Uh, I think that was more point guard by committee again. I mean, Hogarth had six assists, most on the team, but Langford had five, Henry had four. So yep. that was sort of back in the in the spread the ball around. Um, in spite yep. of being on the floor, Rocket Watts has zero assists. Uh, one, one assist, assist. Pardon me. One assist in twenty three minutes. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> we also need to mention uh, Bingham. Bingham had a huge contribution yes. to this game. Huge. I yep. mean, the putback buckets, the in timely, like really important moments too, and five rebounds. Uh, I I think Bingham, Bingham, and you also have to mention uh, Gabraham, Gabraham Brown. Uh, those were two really big games, or two really big contributions to a huge game. Yeah. Uh, so which brings us to the next game, Maryland, because again, I insist, I think the vibe of this podcast would be a bit different if we had not just dropped a game, but, uh, we do drop a nasty one, 55 to 73. Um, we did mention last week that Maryland would be coming off of six days rest. Uh, I, I think there's a culmination of things here. I, I think that was definitely a factor. I think Maryland had a great game plan. Yeah, I think we didn't so much. And um, I think Maryland also did some things that are better than they normally do. So uh, I'll point to one and I know you guys have some others, but um, Maryland shot 96% from the free throw line today and normally shoots under 70. Um, I'm not saying it that those points mean that we win the game. Obviously not. But when we cut it to five, that game might have been actually an MSU lead or a uh, uh, at least a two point game at that point in time. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's that's momentum stuff like hats off to Maryland, right? Like they yeah. made shots when it mattered. I, I'm not trying to, like, take away from the fact that there's nothing you can say. They shot 96 percent from the line. Like, what are you supposed to do about that? Yep. But and they shot huge from three in the first half, which is I mean, it was you, stupid. It was stupid. If you go back and you look at the game cast, which I don't recommend you do in most games, it doesn't really matter. But basically that 10 point margin that they got out to to begin the game off of those really big three point shots that basically just they coasted on that throughout the whole rest of the game. And yep. Yep. it's it was like almost a push between the two teams in the second half until the very end where they hit some buckets in garbage time and it didn't really matter that much. But that that big lead that they jumped out at the beginning of the game, I mean, that was it. It was over at that point, basically. Um, the team didn't have I, I think the team didn't really have the legs to come back in a situation like this. Uh, if you've got a team that's able to keep you at bay and is selling out on their def- on their offensive rebounds, they didn't even attempt them. Like, how many offensive rebounds did uh, did Maryland have as a team? Three. Good God, that that means they've made no attempt whatsoever to collect them. Yep. Uh, and they just got back on defense, yep. and because they knew they had to. I mean, yeah. and let's be clear, you know. So give Maryland credit; that's great. But then we have to pay attention to what we didn't do tonight. And apart from just shooting, we couldn't even penetrate the lane. Hogard who had an absolutely abysmal performance tonight, 
was the only one seemingly who could get into the paint and do anything from down low, right? The yeah. only one. And, and and meanwhile, he's turning the ball, ball over at in the invitation of a Maryland player. He's his three shot attempts were absolutely abysmal. He followed followed a guy on three uh, with a shot with the shot clock about to go off. Like, what are you doing? So uh, my point is here. He's immature. We know it. We've talked about it before. He doesn't really he's have a freshman. He's a freshman. He's a freshman. Fine, fine. But if you're going to give that kid that many minutes. I, you, where we are in the season right now, like there has to have been some, there has to be, have been some learning and uh, it was, it, that, that, that's just hard to see because I will say there were times when we were battling back, you know, it, although we were down 10 for like what felt like the entire game, because we were down at least 10 the entire game, there mm-hmm. were times when, you know, we caught it within seven, right? We cut it. I mean, we were cutting with nine and, and there, it felt like we were on the cusp of something. And then, they would just post up some inane three that had no chance. You would just see Bingham running around aimlessly trying to set a pick like he had never done it before. Just all eight feet, 102 pounds of weird sinew just flopping around like a inflatable car salesman decal. I just... It's I can't. It, this this was a really painful one to watch. And I think... You probably named it. I think it was the legs... We we you got to give Maryland a ton of credit. Their defense absolutely locked us out. That was well coached, perfect game plan, very well executed. But it exposed us for what we are right now. I would yeah, also it, point it out it didn't let Turgeon have a chance to Turgeon. I mean that that point cushion didn't let him screw it up, which was which is too bad. I would have liked that. Uh, for everyone clamoring for more small ball, this was the smallest ball of them all. You know, as a result of Maryland's Gabe played 39 minutes. Exactly. That's crazy. Rolls out four guards. Basically, that's their their whole lineup. The difference is that's an actual small ball team that's like, yeah, technically small ball, but they're also long. You know, what what is that like median height, though, for their small ball lineup? It's still like six, seven or something like that. No, 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 no. It's more like six, five. The problem is that six, like six three, six four, is the the floor for them. Yeah. So you know you're not getting a dude who's more than six seven, six eight. Fine, maybe six, maybe there's a six nine guy, but like their guards are all like six five, two hundred pounds. Like they're they're dudes with some athleticism and who can drain the three apparently at will. At will. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean. We're not a small ball team, and when we try, it rarely works out for us. As we've said, especially this team specifically, we 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 don't we don't shoot from the three. At least not with any real consistency. We haven't all season. We failed expertly at it this week, and more importantly, as we've talked about, we don't have a five. Let alone a five who has the skills to be able to come out and, and complement a small ball regiment. So yeah, yeah, if we had had if if we had had someone like many of the other Big Ten teams have that can actually. <laughs> play the five you could run four dudes small dudes around him sure but we've got we've got dudes who probably should be playing the four playing the five yep yeah even in the losses msu shot 29 percent from three uh against illinois and then they shot 28.6 percent from three from ohio for against ohio state and then today against maryland 28.6 28.6 so like free three-point shooting is just bad on this team it doesn't matter if you win doesn't matter if you lose it's just bad it's I, just not good yeah i, I yeah. mean i will say like in a bit of 
fairness about some of the three-point shooting in this game, that had more to do with our inability to create some offense in the beginning. Like, look, we're going to talk about Rocket here for a second because there was a lot bad about Rocket, a lot bad. But two of his three-point attempts in the early going of the game, like, there was no time left. Yeah. They they just hadn't created any offense. So, you know, he's one for four. I think in reality, he's really one for two because I'm not I'm not going to hold those two misses with the shot clock nearing zero. And he's, you know, three feet off the arc. That's fair. Uh, I totally agree with you. So let's let's credit him a little bit for his minus twenty five. God help us. Yeah. So Rocket Watts uh, plays 20 minutes. Um, How much Hogard only had 11. That's interesting. but yeah, was minus 25 on the game, which is fascinating because our star players were t- taking minus 18s and minus 19s because they were they had to play the entire game. Like Gabe Brown being minus 19, I'm not holding that per se against Gabe Brown in the same way that you hold a minus 25, which is greater than the margin of victory, and you only played 20 minutes... <laughs> Against Rocket Watts. That is atrocious. That's got to be conditioning, right? I don't know. Rocket Watts is the least efficient high utilization player I've ever seen at MSU. (laughs) Ever. Done. (laughs) I'm sorry, Mark, but you are. Uh, So we're going to, we'll preview games in a minute, but you know, it's what we've got uh, two, two days rest. Nope, one day rest, and then we play Indiana. So uh, hopefully the gents find themselves in an ice bath today. Mm. Um, and this is an Indiana team that's reeling, by the way. Uh, I know we're going to do the uh, the preview in a second, but um, there's a lot on the line for them as well, and they have not been performing well. They've managed to be a Minnesota team that's reeling even more somehow. But anyway, continue. Um well, so before we move on to football, uh, we two things. First, we should give a a tip of the cat cap shout out clap for Josh Langford, who did mm-hmm. pass Magic Johnson today with on the all time scoring list with over one thousand sixty two career points. Hmm. Um, I am not. I'm going to do the same thing that every broadcast does and repeat. But Josh has had a bit of a journey, and so that's a that's a. That's an awesome milestone for Josh. It is. Here, here, um, here, here. Uh, and we did get a question earlier in the week that wasn't associated with our uh, our Twitter questions, but at Tubor uh, asked us about making the tourney and what we thought the math was. I know we covered a bit of it. Lunardi did have us as in the tournament as of today and did send out an additional tweet that essentially said, if we win one of these down the road we're in. Uh, I think he's dismissing a bit of it as brand related. Um, Which I think is fair. But I think this I, at th- this year, that's fair. There's going to be way more latitude given to brand this year yeah, than usual. And I had asked you, and, and I can't remember the source that I heard this from, that the committee may be doing a bit of a deep dive on losses that come off of COVID pauses. There's um, that. And then every year the committee looks at what you've done lately 
And what MSU has done lately is knock off two top five teams who won't be probably top five when the committee gets together, but they'll still be, well, Ohio State's now dropped three in a row, but they'll still be really high echelon teams. So could they, those things are in our favor. Could they say to us, yeah, we'll put you in the tournament, but you have to make Rocket Watts go night night. (laughs) The committee just passes a note to Izzo. Like no rocket Watson, you're in. And you're in. <laughs> Just like so I I guess to answer Tubor's question, I I tend to think that it, that we thought we had a tournament shot. It, we talked about it, an outside shot. If we beat two of the four top five games that we had in front of us, and one of the two against Indiana and Maryland. I believe that's what we said last week, and and some of you scoffed that that wasn't going to happen. Hmm. Well, we beat two of the top five teams. It would be nice to not end the year on a on a four game losing streak for sure. It would be certainly nice to beat Michigan, but I think if we beat Indiana, we're probably in. If we get a Big Ten tournament win on top of that, I think we're definitely in. Yeah. A win against Michigan to me though seals the deal. That's I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. If we win. If we win at Indiana, uh, yes. Oh, I don't think we. If we, I don't think we need to beat Indiana. If we beat Michigan, if the only other victory on our our schedule is Michigan, I think we're in. Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah, I, I'm just saying in terms of likelihood. I think the more likely outcome here is the Indiana win and a tournament win, and no Michigan wins. And that for me is probably a no, but it could be a yes. But I think that's the most likely thing, and that's that's why I'm saying I don't think we make the tournament. I think that is too bubble, and I don't think it works in our favor. But it also looks like uh, if the Big Ten tournament was played today, we have to play Maryland again in the Big Ten tournament. I would welcome that. I would after this fucking performance. I would welcome that. I would welcome these shits to have to have that happen to them again. Idiots. <laughs> Greg, you got thoughts? Uh, I'm optimistic. I I do think there is still work to be done. I agree yes. with you that a win against Michigan gets us in, regardless. But I think. It can be done. I, I think maybe a win against Indiana gets gets us in as well. Particularly if we're able to not get crushed by Michigan. I think that's the other thing. If we're able to keep those those losses close, because uh, by the we way, we could have I've... a whole conversation about the net and IO and his. I've had enough pro. play. I, I think we're going to split against Michigan. That's a little spoiler. Uh, but uh all right let's do it let's do it i want to do it do it all right uh look there's a lot of basketball to talk i think we're going to get more questions on this so we'll we'll, uh we'll just save it for then um and let's let's power through here on some football talk uh i think there's uh there's we've got two things on the outline i just want to add a third sort of plug for people but uh the the big news is uh from football threefold one is we had two transfers that came in the same day. One is Marquis Lowry, Lowry, not Lowry, Lowry, Lowry Mike Lowry, but, uh, who is Marquee. a mid to upper three-star defensive back who redshirted last year at Louisville. Um, word is he's a well-rounded fast corner. He converted his senior year of high school from wide receiver to cornerback. Um, who's apparently also quite physical and can be a big time run support stopper as well. That's good. We uh, should ask him to convert back and forth like five more times. That would be the <laughs> MSU way to go. Uh, I I think Mel Tucker's kind of like nah. Uh, DBs are DBs. DBs. 
Um, and the other is Kari Crump, who is a Arizona transfer, former three-star. I don't know a ton about him, admittedly. Um, but, you know, I, I... I'm guessing this is someone that Tucker knows from... Back in his day. Being, yeah, yeah. At, at uh, uh, Colorado. I, you know, I, I, I think as, as we evaluate some of these transfers, particularly as time goes on, I, I guess I have to believe that knowing that Mel Tucker signs off on every offer and sort of what you're hearing about the details that goes into them, that, you know, these aren't all going to be, obviously they're not all five stars, but there's that he seems particular about what he's looking for. And it also seems like a fair amount of that room was kind of run out uh, from the program, maybe. So wait, say um, that again, I, there's a lot of people who, who left the program from right. the defensive back room. Right. Um, gotcha. I, I'm not saying he ran them out in, but it seems like they were no longer welcome here. So I just uh, want to put in my note that we expected this. We knew that there were going to be a lot more transfers in, and I'm still concerned that this is going to become a trend with Tucker. Yeah, I think we got a question about that, but I think uh, there might be as many as five more transfers yeah. before uh, fall camp starts. So it's going to be an incredibly different team next year. Yes. Um, spring other game. news. Yes, spring, spring game has announced. been announced, April 18th. And uh, Plum, feel free to elaborate on this. Probably no fans. You're going to watch it on the Big Ten Network. Yeah, you can watch guess. it on the B1N, and that's great. People love the B1GN network no it's like what are you talking about fans what are you a dumbass listen there's it's march smarch the first or whatever Izzo the first and uh so what in in 40 50 day, 49 days six weeks six listen weeks. i'm not advocating that there should be fans at big t- at uh ncaa uh venues but i'm just saying you can be socially distant at the spring game having been to a bunch of them i can tell you there's room to be had. All right. Great. But well, maybe they'll do that. You're not, you're not even going to get the opportunity. It's not going to happen. I doubt it. I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised. You're going to be listening to Kirk Cousins think about whether or not he wants to be a commentator when he hangs it up. <laughs> uh, the one other thing that I would like to plug that I sent to you guys was that if anyone's interested in the off-season conditioning routine that regimen that the Michigan State football is going through, uh, Colton Pouncey, who... I think we all think is pretty awesome over here. Um, yeah, read his stuff. Fantastic, wonderful article. Wonderful article on the it, like it wasn't. It wasn't just a, pl- a puff piece on like there were actual meaningful details about how Jason Novak, the head of uh, strength and conditioning for uh, MSU football, is is trying to reshape and and follow in the footsteps of someone who was a bit of a legend in uh, Ken Manny. So. Uh, if anyone wants to check out what they've been going through as they've entered the second phase, uh, which is to say that they can work with position coaches during the strength and conditioning program, uh, check out Colton's work. He had a wonderful article a couple of days ago. So um, awesome stuff. I learned some things about the wattage output that people have during a lift as like an indicator. It, it was great. Anyway, um, Greg, we've got an ad read. Guys, sound the alarms. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? The alarms, they're going off because mortgage rates, while still low, did trend up last week. Uh-oh. Two weeks so, ago that we know of. We have not updated the copy. Whatever it is. So think about it. You, you've heard from us. You've been thinking about it. 
you've been like, well, whatever, you know, it's still the pandemic. I've got as much time as I want. I don't have to call Brandon Sands right now. Maybe you do. Okay. The man has closed 10,000 loans. He wants to close your loan as well, but he can't do it unless you call him. And this is the moment. This is the call to arms. You're losing your chance. So look at that mortgage statement the next time it comes in from the bank, from Sally Mae or whatever, or Fannie Mae, whatever it is. And if that if that line about interest rates says anything more than 4%, you're a damn fool. Call Brandon Sands. Let him know you're looking to refi. Or if you're in the market for a new home, because everybody is, the market's on fire right now. Call our guy, Brandon Sands. Look him up. GuaranteedRate.com slash Brandon Sands. No, just Rate.com. Rate.com slash Brandon Sands. Let him know that you're ready to take the plunge because you might miss out on the opportunity. Do it today. Uh, Yeah. You mentioned the uh, market being on fire. A friend friend of ours, all of ours, uh, recently had to buy a, a home that only his in-laws were able to see because uh times the, the old essence. walk me through it on uh facetime you know, yeah and then i'll make an offer at the end i've heard yeah that's happened yeah mm-hmm. um anyway uh yes rate.com backslash brandon with an e sands with a z all right let's head off grand river grek plum someone want to tee this guy, this up for me so we talked about this a lot back in the day and then we uh teed it up actually at the beginning of the show but uh, Curtis Blackwell was walked out of the football building in handcuffs. And since then, he's been on a bit of a personal vendetta against the school, despite the fact that he, <laughs> you know, by all accounts, tried to intervene in a police investigation and uh, was was kept on the payroll of MSU football beyond his contract date. He got put month to month, and that still wasn't good enough for him when it was chosen not to be renewed. So this week, he and his carpet-bagging lawyer <laughs> were dealt their third L in a case that I was actually surprised because they, I think they, Jonesy, you and I, I don't know, Plum, if you had the opportunity, but I think we both read most of the- oh, I yeah. skimmed it. I did. The findings. Uh, okay. Uh, they were still in negotiations for a uh, settlement, but none will be had now. Because in the Eastern District of Michigan, uh, his, which lawsuit was this? Was this defamation? Uh, Yes, this was defamation. Defamation lawsuit was also dismissed. And his uh, carpetbagging lawyer, we were told, is up for even more sanctions. Uh, Even more sanctions. Jonesy, what what popped out to you in this, uh, in this, uh, you know, 40 page document, but an easy read uh, yeah. from the Eastern District of Michigan. Uh, it's, I, I believe you said when you sent the text message to me with the link, you said shade starts on page six. And I said, <laughs> no, page two, when it was, quote, this is now the third attempt. <laughs> uh, so, you know, the what jumped out to me was, um, you know, and this isn't so much about Curtis, uh, because I I tend to think that he's probably kind of a piece of shit. But this is not um, actually uh, related to him being a piece of shit and just his lawyer being terrible. 
Yeah. So procedurally, this case is kind of interesting in that uh, what happened was uh, they filed a, uh, a complaint and then um, uh, D'Antonio's attorneys uh, tried to dismiss that complaint. And um, and then his his attorney said, whoopsie, uh, and tried to and then filed an amended complaint, which is he can do as a matter of right. Like you can there's a certain time frame you can fix that. Um, and then, uh, the attorney, uh, for D'Antonio again said, uh, no, 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 let's brush this nonsense aside. And, um, his attorney waited too long to try and fix things on the complaint so long that he had to ask permission to, to, uh, try and file again to which that's where this all fell apart. Uh, was the court said, no, I've seen enough. We're done here. Not only am I going to say you can't do that, but I'm making all of the dispositive decisions on this case and get the F out. Um, And it was a true joy to read. Um, I was pleased to see that Tony Paul did write the obit on this case. Uh, That was some crow uh, that that I enjoyed reading. I just want to say that remains the strangest element of this entire story to me that the Detroit news decided that they wanted to be the mouthpiece for these two. Yeah. And and they supposedly couldn't get a comment on this from the attorneys. I just don't understand why the Detroit news and the Detroit news editorial board, because Tony ball made it very clear that he doesn't make these types of decisions himself decided that they wanted to align themselves in this way. And then it was at the same time that they wrote a puff piece for Donnie Corley, who is one of the sexual assaulters in the case that brought all of the, I just, mm-hmm. I don't like, I think Blackwell is, is the useful idiot of his attorney. I don't understand why the Detroit news decided to be the useful idiot of the two of them. I, I think that's the thing about all of this that upsets me the most. Yeah. And while we're calling people out for L's though, uh, uh, John U. Bacon uh, did also say that when Tom Mars famously joined the case, uh, a, what, maybe a year ago now? For uh, all of a week. Yeah, well, literally for all of a week. Uh, that's not an exaggeration. Do you want to explain for our listeners who Tom Mars is because they, they don't know? It, well, no, and you, you shouldn't. Uh, Tom Mars is fancied as some sort of rock star in the... Uh, NCAA university litigation sphere. And the fact of the matter is he's not like he's worked on cases, but, and, and he's, he's sort of tried to position himself as a, some sort of expert here, but you've got to think if you joined the Curtis Blackwell case, you're kind of an effing moron. So. Well, he figured it out quick and fairness to him but his public statement at the time was something like this has nothing to do with the well, what with the case why would, itself or the why would you join the, the team without reviewing uh, reviewing the material like because it, he saw that someone was suing msu he saw that msu is a wounded animal and he right, didn't no. do as much diligence as he should have at the time right which is why i insist he's garbage but uh anyway point being uh a lot of people who uh, including including some delicious U of M fans who thought that D'Antonio was committing perjury and insisted to me that somehow the state was going to prosecute D'Antonio for perjury committed in federal court, which is insane. 
Uh, it just doesn't happen. No, basically. it doesn't happen. I'm not convinced that it can be. It, it might be able to. It's not very clear. And the reason it's not clear is because it doesn't happen. To suggest that a state prosecutor would bring a case for perjury that occurred in a court that is under the jurisdiction of the federal government is bonkers because the U.S. attorney would bring that case because it's them who has the vested interest in the. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, all right, we're we're moving a far. There's afield. one more thing uh, that I wanted to ask you about in this, and I should have primed you for this in advance. Maybe we do this some other time. There was part of his argument about Curtis Blackwell and whether he should have been a mandatory reporter. And he, it seemed to me, my read of it is that he was trying to argue that the policy of MSU having too many mandatory reporters violated his, his second amendment rights or his first amendment rights. Pardon me. Like, did you read that whole part? I, I, no, I, I didn't. Um, okay. I'd I, like to come back to that some other time because I read this as part of the foundation of their legal argument is yes. that he shouldn't have been responsible for being a mandatory report, uh, reporter, which really, really bothered me. And it's something I wish we had talked about before this so we could have. Anyway. Yeah, no, that's that's fascinating. I, I, I will do some digging on that. And even if people don't want to have a long conversation on the pod, I would be happy to talk to you about it. But either either way, that is a gross argument at best. It's a really gross argument. And it really bothered me also because if you are in survivor circles, there was some degree to which they aligned themselves <clears throat> inappropriately in this case. And that also really bothered me. But anyway, um, but that's not important. And that's something we can talk about some other time. Yes. Um, but that's actually fascinating. Greg, uh, I believe you brought in a not a sponsor this week, though. Oh, my God. Guys, so we're going to move from the people who didn't report assaults to not a sponsor. <laughs> which which we're really excited about. We're really excited about this one. I brought this one in personally. I've been working on this one <laughs> for a long time. This is one that we wanted bad this week's values uh yeah big time of can't read can't write is not brought to you by the social networking platform parlor one of our favorites we're super active (laughs) on parlor because parlor is better known for the alt-right personalities of its hosts more than anyone with actual personality and is thrilled to announce a new celebrity voice on the parlor platform that's right, folks. As of this week, the one, the only, Dan Dockich, soon to be former ESPN commentator, will make his parlor debut <laughs> after on Twitter, after Twitter invited him uh, to leave. Mm. Uh, Dan's first post, which we won't fully spoil here because it is a, a doozy, but will be a dramatic reenactment of Tom Brennan's anti-LGBTQ <laughs> screed while, annoyed, while announcing a Cincinnati Reds home run. So come for the bigotry and stay for the doubling down on the woke police and woke culture at large. And what it really means to be an Indiana basketball player of your, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Go back to Assembly Hall, look at those pictures, see if anything stands out to you. Uh, <laughs> Parlor, I should note, are thrilled to have an opportunity to go a little heavier on the dog whistle this time and have one of their own from the Walt Disney Corporation sports platform. 
on theirs as well. So sign up for a new account this week at Parlor, and then tell them that actually, no, don't don't tell them anything about Camry or Camry. We disavow this whole thing. Um, <laughs> Great. So Dick Nockage, no longer on Twitter, if you didn't catch that. But apparently, at this time, still able to be on television at ESPN. Not fit for Twitter, can be on ESPN. Yeah, they take it very seriously, is what they've said. Um, So, uh, let's head to some quick game previews, because that is what we are known for. Gauntlet! Uh, Gauntlet Part 2. So, after four games in eight days, MSU will uh, be coming up on pretty much every other day um, starting out first with Indiana this Tuesday at 8 PM on the big 10 network in Bloomington. Indiana is coming off equal rest. They are unranked in the AP and uh, uh, gents. We've watched them play uh, Ken Palm 37 overall 46th in offense, 42nd in defense, 286 in tempo. Um, we know Trace Jackson Davis was a big deal. It was Kithier, though, that was the hero last time, right, Plum? Yeah, Kithier was big and always good, and he will be both, I'm sure, against Indiana. He was the hero. Give him credit where it's due. I mean, Kithier had a great performance. It was the strongest performance of his career, and so, if yeah, if he can repeat it, then I will like him more than I... Well, listen, I like him more than I like Watts. That's something. Here, here. Huh? Don't we all? All right. All I remember from that last game is that MSU won and that Trace Jackson Davis had like 40 points or something. Yeah, we're going to have to. I mean, that's, and I know this is like, we've got this in the notes, but my God, that guy has to be stopped. I mean, 40, you can't let anyone, just out of pure pride and self-awareness. So Jonesy, tell us, uh, what does MSU have to do to win this game? So... The folks will remember the second half is when, of that game is when MSU discovered their small ball lineup. Indeed. Um, Indiana was caught a bit off guard by it. I am surprised by that um, because at that point in time, Tom Izzo had been going through literally every iteration of a lineup. <laughs> so Archie Miller should have known it was the next logical conclusion that he would come to the most obvious conclusion eventually. Uh, so, they will be more prepared this time around for what they saw last. Well, time. God, Indiana fans would tell you to maybe reconsider that statement. I, I don't know. I mean, Maryland was certainly ready for the inept small ball routine. We failed at today. So if we have any, any chance at that again, I mean, my God, I know Indiana does not have Maryland's defense, but hell, if they can even approximate it, we're going to be in trouble. Ah, I'm not worried about that. Okay. Uh, uh, but Indiana is uh, like us playing for their life uh, in the tournament. So this is going to be a, a hard fought game. It is absolutely going to come down to being successful against Trace Jackson Davis. That is where this game starts and stops. And what we saw, you know, obviously the offensive explosion in the second half was a big deal. But more than that was our ability at times to stop the offensive onslaught from Indiana. And that that was a direct result of moving Trace Jackson Davis off the block. So if this team is going to be successful, it's that. Second key to the game, get to the rim. I mean, MSU was clearly not able to drive in the paint at all against Maryland. If they're going to be successful, they're going to have to get paint points because this team wasn't a good three-point shooting team to begin with, 
and is not a three-point shooting team even more so when they have no legs under them. So, uh, yeah, we have that to talk to me about the- that. It, I think that was an element of today's game against Maryland is that there is just some fatigue setting yes. in. And this Indiana game, it, I mean, it's only in a couple days and it's more travel. So I I know that Aaron Henry has had some, you know, T-shirt worthy lines. Oh, they've been the great. Press conference about never getting tired. And I know that these are with the exception of Josh Langford you know, young guys out there, but you know, it is a concern though. Fortunately, Indiana is also reeling right now. As I, as I said at the jump, they are in the midst of a lose having lost to Michigan Rutgers, MSU and Ohio state in their last five games. The only win coming against a, Mer- a Minnesota team that is Minnesota itself, even more than Indiana's Indiana itself. <laughs> So that is something to keep in mind uh, that they're struggling as well. Yeah. uh, Who did they play today? Actually, I think they had. uh, Yeah, they they played Michigan yesterday and they get housed. Yes. Um, Oh, so they're not coming off equal rest. They'll have an extra day. Um, But uh, yeah, then it goes into Michigan two times. Um, so we've kind of talked about Michigan at times this year, but not to the same extent. So Jonesy, what do we need to know? So, well, we're playing Michigan on Thursday at 7 PM on ESPN in Ann Arbor. And then we come back to East Lansing on Sunday at 4:30 uh, PM on CBS. Um, I think if there's any good news, uh, coming into this matchup, it's that Michigan will be coming off of a one-day rest as well uh, after what I'm going to assume is a rough game against Illinois. Um, I also suspect that Illinois, as much as they may not like us, is more angry at Michigan than anybody else because of Michigan's decision to not play their full slate of Big Ten games and in particular cancel their game against Illinois when somehow Michigan's women's team was able to make that trip. So, you know just saying Michigan fans who listen to the pod. Uh, The numbers for Michigan though are daunting and they are a formidable team, a very good team. You will not hear, we will talk shit about Michigan, but like we're not going to pull punches. They're really good. Uh, AP third. um, I am enjoying the little uh, tissy fit that Michigan fans are throwing about not being ranked number two right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are uh, Ken Palm two, uh, fifth in offense, fourth in defense, 227 in tempo. I think sometimes with Big Ten teams regarding tempo, though, it is a bit of a reflection of how some people in the league like to play. So they they can slow things down quite a bit. I I assume that Michigan, uh, if they had their druthers, would be higher than that. But I don't know that that much higher. Um, An important note for people that don't spend a lot of time looking at Ken Palm teams. If you were top 10 in both offense and defense, you're considered to be an elite team. In fact, some years they don't, the college basketball doesn't have any teams that are top 10 in both offense and, and defense. And MSU has had a few over the years and you know who they are. They're the best MSU teams. So this is a legit team it's a legit team right yeah um and you're gonna see some familiar faces um uh, on this michigan team but you're gonna see some important new ones so 
you know, the, the ones that you've seen before are the, the big ones are going to be Isaiah livers, um, and, uh, Franz Wagner. Um, Franz Wagner is freshly sporting what can be charitably described or most charitably described as a villain beard, um, or goatee goatee. Yes. It, it has very sort of old timey villain vibes about it. Um, but from his nationality, I would expect it just to look a little less facial hair, maybe. Well, you know, certainly, villain. certainly villainy that, that, that tracks. Um, that was, that was not a good joke. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> whatever keep it in uh the anyway but wagner is very very good uh he is uh tracking uh 13.3 uh points per game um his his three-point shot is fine uh to to find a good at 37 percent um he's averaging 53.5 percent from the field uh is and is a a genuine two-way player i mean he is a uh, a villain version of Aaron Henry uh, is the best way to say it. So he, I mean, uh, hell of a year, hell of an athlete, going to be a great basketball player. Um, Isaiah Livers, we, we've seen the tape on Isaiah Livers. He's just gotten better and stronger. Uh, he is a 48% field goal percentage shooter, 45.6% uh, from behind the arc, though, um, and is averaging 14 and a half points per game. Um, I think the, if I remember correctly, some of the advanced stats on Franz might be a little bit more favorable than they are to Livers, but either way, both fantastic players. The two new names, though I'm certain you've heard his name before, uh, one of them anyway, is Hunter Dickinson, who is uh, their freshman center and is uh, the mountain, if we're going to continue with y'all are villains, um, from Game of Thrones uh, lore. Is he 7'2"? Does that sound right? Golly. Seven one, I guess. Yeah. All right. So big. Yeah. He's, he's giant. Uh, he's got some old man moves to his game. Like he's, he's a legit post up guy and, uh, is going to feast indoors. Um, and so that is, uh, you know, we're going to get to sort of keys to the game here in a second, but you're going to want to know about him. He's averaging 14.8 points per game and is their he, leading scorer. He's also one of the most efficient high utilization players in the big 10. That's the most yes. important thing. He uh, is at one point he was like having crazy national efficiency numbers. Um, but he's been more utilized and they've come back down to earth a little bit, but he knows his role. He plays within his role and uh, it's been working for him. Uh, he is averaging one and a half blocks per game uh, and give or take uh, two turnovers a game. Um, interestingly, not too many assists on the year. Uh, he's got 18 assists on the year. So uh, not quite the black hole that is Kofi Coburn uh, when the ball goes inside to him. But uh, it, I mean, he's good enough. It's probably not coming out. Um, so... Uh, and then last is the transfer point guard in Mike Smith. Um, Mike Smith, uh, was a very high volume shooter, uh, at his prior team and has reduced his volume substantially and has decided to make it up in assists. So he is moving the ball incredibly well, uh, though is averaging a little bit more than two turnovers a game, but that's on five assists per game. So, uh, and he's also averaging a respectable 8.7 points per game. Um, 
Although when Mike Smith decides he's going to take a three, he tends to hit it. I mean, he's shooting almost 50% from three. Yes. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, look, uh, there's going to be a lot of things that need to go wrong for Michigan. <laughs> so uh, they are a very good team. Uh, if I, you know, I, I think the most, and this is an imperfect comparison by a lot, but the most comparable team probably is someone like an Iowa in that they have a big that can is seemingly very efficient who can rack up the points. They don't play through Hunter quite the same way that, that Iowa just plays through Luca. Yeah. But um, I'm just like, what's your comp, right? And mm-hmm. I, I think that is maybe the best comp you can come up with in that they have a lot of guys who can shoot from around him. Unlike Iowa though, Franz can can drive in ways that that Iowa doesn't have dudes who can do that. So um, this is a you know, it's it's as if uh, Iowa maybe had a, a an Aaron Henry on their team. If MSU fans want a, a different way of making a comp on it. Um, and if you want to break down that comp and Michigan destroyed Iowa in their one game that they played all season. So, yeah, uh, give you an indication. So I, I think if keys to the game here, I mean, I got two. I, I, like, because I don't know what offense is going to show up. Probably not much of it. I don't know. But if it's going to show up, you've got to let Hunter do Hunter things. Um, and the nice thing is, that unlike Garza, he can't stretch the floor. So you're not going to get an outside shot from him. Uh, which... You know, Thomas Kithier, if you've got that sort of boulder pushing in you again to move him off the block, great, do that. Um, Otherwise, this is not a a team we can ugly it up against. So they need to stay out of foul trouble. Michigan is shooting a 77.6% free throw percentage on the year. That's very good. So, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm writing them off as as hopefully competitive because of a rivalry and because I know Tom Izzo doesn't want to lose these games. They're going to split. Don't worry about it. Uh, I bet they, I bet MSU wins in Ann Arbor, loses in East Lansing. That's my bet. Huh. On Josh's day. <clears throat> um, All right. Never mind. The home team takes it. There we go. All right. There we go. Especially That's because Michigan will have the big 10 championship by then. So, yes, I uh, yeah, I, I like I said, the best we can hope for is that Kofi Coburn does Kofi Coburn things and uh, and just it's an ugly game against Illinois and they are coming in wrecked uh, on that first game off. So, um, yeah, anyway, uh, who wants to do the ad read? Preserved homemade is a goods and provision store bringing you tastes of home in the form of homemade <laughs> treats. The February drop is complete, and if you did not get cookies or baked goods from Preserved Homemades in February, you are dumber than Rocket Watts is bad at basketball. Those who did may know that 10% of sales went to Kindred Space Los Angeles, a birthing center providing resources to women of color. With their listeners' help and the matching contributions of Preserved Homemade, they made a $100 donation to Kindred Space LA. So we're grateful for that and grateful for all of you <clears throat> who wetted your whistle and had a nice little sweet treat from Preserved Homemade. So please, let's uh, let's all sit in that for a minute. Uh, 
All right. You know, between purchases from listeners who attributed themselves. Maybe there were more. We don't know. Sure. But then also big ups to preserve homemade for do that doing that matching contribution that was a great well. you know it was great they did it for uh for black history month i did a, f- a fantastic nod of the cap uh to the to the legacy and to the uh tradition that we have in celebrating um all that uh that people of color do um for us in america despite uh our horrible history of racism and trauma that we have inflicted upon them that said preserved homemade continues to uh to to have their baked goods available. So we encourage you to check out the Instagram for their specialty cakes and cupcakes available for local delivery, as well as info on the March drop. That information is coming very soon. You can check them out on Instagram at preserved underscore homemade. Follow them on Twitter at preserved H or head to the website at preserved dash homemade.com. We expect you to memorize all of that and we're not repeating it to treat yourself or someone you love to serve some homemade goodness. With all of that, we are now moving on to the segment that we know all of you listen to, and have really, it's one of the only reasons you come to this thing. Actually, actually, we've learned that isn't really the truth. Thank you to everybody. No, this is the thing we have to cut. Oh, Lord. This is the thing we have to cut. Because we, we thank you to all of you, and many yes. of you completed a survey that was put together by our fearless leader uh, so that so that uh, we could get some ne- Wait, necessary. Who's our fearless leader? I thought you put it together. Did you not put it together? Yeah. Greg put it together? Yes. Yes, that's what Greg does for a living. Oh, Greg, I didn't, I didn't actually think he had actionable skills, so that's on me. Um, well, anyway, so our there was also something that came out in the results. It wasn't me. God knows it wasn't me. So anyway, we had a survey. You answered the questions. We're taking your feedback. Twitter questions are gone. The pot is over. We'll, we'll listen again next week and have a great week, ladies and gentlemen. We had a meeting and Plum texted. And I texted through it. Okay, listen. We're, no, but we're, we might be making some changes to Twitter questions. Who knows? You don't care. And we really do. So, but let's get it started because at this week, at least, you've got questions. It's clear that he texted through through the results presentation. That's not. He didn't hear any of it. Mostly because. Any of our mostly because the. We need to cut all of this. All of this. No, it all stays in. What's important is. He, we got feedback and we appreciate it. It was it was actually really useful, really good. Exactly what I said, and that Twitter is uh, it's a it's a it, who knows it's a wild card. It's all parlor now. Anyway. It's all parlor okay. now. First up, uh, first tweet from Ev Marie twenty four. Uh, Plum regarding the Maryland game was it a letdown spot for the past week, or was it a letdown, or was the past week fool's gold? And also. Should MSU have tried to use some more of the bigs like Bingham instead of staying small? Uh, it was a letdown. It was a letdown. It was a letdown because we could not get into the paint. We could not. Izzo could not coach his way into in, in, into, into outsmarting and outwitting their defense. And I think a lot of that's physicality. A lot of that is uh, they had the tenacity. They had the legs. They had the energy. They had the rest. We didn't have any of that. Um, but we did have uh, the hype. We had the energy coming off two huge wins, two of the biggest wins we've had all season. Um, at the right, I think that's what she means by let down. Like, fine, then yes, it was absolutely a letdown because of all of those things. But to her second point, absolutely not. Should we try to use more bigs? We don't have bigs. We don't have any bigs worth anything. Referencing Bingham here, like he was going to do something when Bingham was on the court, he was beyond useless. His legs were like jelly, just glooping around, and people were just stepping on him like he wasn't there. He's in fairness to every Bingham did have some big moments in games this week. Fine. So fine. I, I do want to just call that fine. out. He only played three minutes against Maryland. Well, the th- and I saw the three minutes and I didn't watch the entire game in the three minutes that he was on the court were a very painful three minutes. And you know, Izzo, 
very, very short-tempered and churlish this this season. Very short-tempered and churlish. So churlish, churlish man with rocket bots. All right, and second up from Evmarie Jonesy, has Aaron Henry ascended into guy and or dude status? Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, he certainly has been playing like it. Um, you know, I think when the postmortem, however the season ends up, is written on it, you look at you look at some of the teams of past and would you, let me ask this to you guys. Would you say Travis Trice was a dude or a guy? I think he turned into a, he definitely turned into a guy. Yeah. All right. So maybe that's it. Maybe Aaron Henry will be a guy. I mean, his three point shooting got MSU to the final. Here, here. Yes. hundred percent. Yep. I'm Uh, talking senior season. uh, Travis Trice. I think I'm also talking senior season okay. Travis Trice. Isn't yeah. that the year that MSU got to the unexpectedly? I mean, they got destroyed by Duke that year. Um, yes, yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, here's what I'll say. I think I think if there's anything that we're going to end up getting out of this season, it's that they squeaked into the NCAA tournament, and it's something that they wouldn't have done without Aaron Henry. And it'll yes. be, to me, reminiscent of the year that uh, basically – uh, Drew Neitzel was the highest utilization player on the planet his senior year, and they wouldn't have gotten into the NCAA tournament that year without him. So I, I think if MSU gets into the tournament this year and the streak continues to live on, I will attribute that entirely to Aaron Henry and his efforts down the stretch. And Josh. Josh deserves a... a yeah. A Josh also has made his own legacy before this year, I think. That's just my perspective. Yeah. All right. Next up from Taylor Anderson Plum. Do you think MSU being active in the transfer portal in football is just because of the pandemic limiting recruiting, or we'll be looking at it in the long term as Tucker is the coach? We didn't. Um, we didn't talk about this today about you know Tucker's um, approach to uh, pandemic and off season physical fitness, the athletics regimen that he has, uh, the training regimen, the sort of what is he calling Spartan Spartan Nation training or something uh strain train yeah there was he had like a spartan nation something i thought was the name of the what he's calling this like strength training regimen that they've got but for the spring anyway i think that he is going to be using some pretty non-conventional uh techniques and i think an active an active transfer portal um is part is going to be part of the Tucker era, I think, and and this may be just be a factor of the portal kind of coming into existence and really kind of coming into its own and being really highlighted because of the pandemic. Maybe the some of the stigma of that is off, but um, for as long as you've got teenage boys who are hyping themselves up and their fucking dads and uncles creating committees and hype machines and Twitters with fifteen. I just said Twitter's. So that's really embarrassing. Uh, with with like, I, I, you're one of my fifteen schools. Kill me right now. If anyone is liking, if you, if any one of our listeners has ever liked something that a fifteen year old has tweeted about, like being one of fifteen schools, you should both know. Unfollow us and then throw yourself up, like into. I guarantee a tree. almost all. Oh of my our god! Listeners. Oh my god! You guys, please. They're like. There's including people who manage the Twitter. You guys are embarrassing. You're embarrassing yourself. Including the Twitter podcast attached to this podcast. Their prefrontal cortices are at least eight years away from development. My God. So anyway, that's why. Because they're they're unsteady. They're children. 
and 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 relying on them is an absolute fool's errand. You have actually something to evaluate in the transfer portal, and you can hold guys accountable. I hope I hope it's here to stay. Uh, I, I would just also add that Mel Tucker has talked about how the recruiting department for MSU is divided into two parts in the same way that the NFL does it, which is that there's a a section that's dedicated to high school talent and a section that's dedicated to the transfer portal, which is a big difference than D'Antonio's huge. Yeah, we have, we have a guy who looks in the portal every day. Uh, and uh, it is in, in the same way that in the pros, I think Mel Tucker's perspective is that, you know, you, you build talent from within and that's an important piece, but you, you get what you need from free agency. So I think he looks at the portal in the same way. Uh, I, we didn't get to talk about this because MSU started winning games, but I do wonder if MSU basketball would greatly, uh, benefit from spending a little bit more time looking at transfers because if you just think uh, Tom Izzo has had so many, uh, walk-ons be given scholarships just because things don't work out, uh, with the, with the scholarships for a year. And he looks at it as like, and add a boy. And I, like, good job. You know, you're committed to the program and you, you get a scholarship the last year. Jack Hoiberg's dad is rich. We know yeah. that he's rich. There's he no reason Jack Hoiberg should have need a, scholarship. a scholarship. Imagine just in terms of resource management, if that went to a senior, you know, grad transfer point guard anywhere on the planet. I know they don't always work out, but just imagine if that was used instead, there would be probably two or three games that MSU would have won instead of losing. And we wouldn't be having this bubble talk so far. So uh, to the same degree. So this is a subject I wanted to talk about, but then MSU won a bunch. So we didn't get to, but I, I think it's old fashioned to a degree, the way that Izzo's handling the transfer portal. And I, I'm also at the same time concerned with the amount that Tucker is using the portal. I think the answer is somewhere in between. But anyway, um, next up from Taylor Anderson, Jonesy, is MSU one of the four? We didn't talk about this either. Four alternatives. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Sorry, that's not his. That's not his. Oh. Yep, that's CTs and TCs. Who's next? Uh, okay. Uh, next up from... Sorry. Some, <laughs> do, this has never happened before. We've never <laughs> misattributed our Twitter <clears throat> question. Uh, from CT and TC then. Uh, is MSU one of the 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 COVID four? We'll call them for this season. Go ahead. Well, explain s- what that is, and then say yes or no. So the, the the question is specifically: If MSU is one of the four alternates for the NCAA tournament, will you be hoping that teams get COVID? Uh, so the NCAA tournament is uh, going to be uh, tagging four teams. I believe they're from the play-in games. Uh, who will be alternates in the event that uh, one of the teams at the tournament gets COVID, in which case you will take over for them. Uh, Though I don't know that that's happening after the first round. Um, So uh, first of all, no, Uh, no, I would never, ever, ever hope that someone gets COVID ever, ever in a million years. And, and, and in particular, even if it weren't for the fact that there's all sorts of health consequences and that all sucks, we've, we've seen how it affected, uh, our team. And for that matter, we went through last year having a devastating cancellation of the tournament when we thought we had a shot to make a meaningful run in it. So I would, I would never root for someone to actually have that taken away from them. Um, but plum, this strikes me as all odd, this policy, 
Because wouldn't the NCAA be better off just doing a meaningful bubble? Like, why do you, if if it's only good for the first round, what's the point? Yeah. In like, just have people there for seven or 14 days, whatever you need to do. Yeah. It, right, it, it doesn't make sense. No, no, it doesn't make, it's not a good, it's not a good process. I mean, I think um, there is no functional way to include alternate teams once the thing is started. Right. I mean, how do you do that? That doesn't make sense. So, um, I mean, if any of the teams do, and of course it's it bound to happen with that many teams, it's bound to happen. There will be one team I, that will have to like miss a sweet 16 game or something. I'm sure. I, I almost think that with the teams all being in the state of Indiana, it's really easy to reseed. I know that might be too simple. Like I know you got to do scouts and things. Yeah, like that. I don't think you can. I think, I think, bracket. And I think once you start the bracket, you get, you're locked in and it, if, if something happens, it happens. I don't know. There's probably no precedent for it, but it's I, just a forfeit. It's just a forfeit, which is why. Which is why, to your point, Jones, you, they should be bubbling. There's, there's no reason not to, and the only reason you don't do it is because, frankly, being in Indiana, you, you, you really can't bubble yourself. They're so fucking backward in that state that it's just you might as well just lick the the handrails when you walk into the building. Good luck. Okay. Licking licking handrails, by the way, not an effective way of. Um, Transmitting COVID. That's from our public health expert yep. on the podcast. Uh, uh, go ahead. Next Jensen. up, Greg. Uh, this is from CTNTC. As the final regular season game in the Big Ten basketball season is Michigan versus MSU at the Breslin, should Michigan cut down the nets at a rival's court? Over our dead body. Now, that has some very Devin Bush energy to it. I don't think it's ever been done. Like at Breslin Center, I don't think I've ever seen it before. I know that back before my time, there was the whole thing where Wisconsin saw the MSU banner and the rafters and it was a call to arms and they ended up beating MSU. I don't think they won the championship that year, though. I don't think I don't think I've ever seen that happen at Breslin. I've seen it happen for our team. I don't think I've ever seen it for another. Wait, team. We've I cut down the net at someone's someone else's court. I don't think so. I don't think you cut down the net unless it happens at home or it's just yeah, like it a tournament or something and like a neutral spot. Yeah. Well, there's also, definitely cutting down the net Michigan for the clinch? regular season. If they beat Illinois, don't they clinch? Well, it would Illinois is the next game and the is the next team in the Big Ten standing, so I would think so. That would put it out of reach. But I I can't claim that I've you know looked did. at every single possible outcome of the Big Ten. Yeah, no, 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 because Illinois is thirteen and one, and so or I'm sorry, Michigan's thirteen and one, and Illinois is uh, I think they have three losses. Um, so if so Michigan, that would do it. yeah, if Michigan, so cut your own nets down. Yeah, uh, that's the answer I, that that would give me lit, more scorn and hate. Uh, I do want to acknowledge. I know we put a, a strike through on it. I want to acknowledge CT's other question. We are not going to answer it now. He asked about honorifics for uh, Big Ten awards. Um, we'll maybe we'll table that until next week uh, when the season's actually over. Yeah. All right. So, next no, up from right, this uh, one's for oh, you go ahead. from Anthony Garvert. Should Foster Lawyer just forego his senior scholarship season and just skip straight to the grad student step? He clearly has the basketball IQ, passion and leadership, just not the athleticism or size to contend in the Big Ten. Kind of like Tum Tum. 
He is very Tom Tom-esque. Uh, this was much discussed this week on the uh, college basketball subreddit about his foster lawyer coach of the year in the last week for his animation in uh, in you know timeout huddles and, and the like. Um, I mean, Foster is not going anywhere. Sorry, MSU fandom. He's going to be here next year. He's a captain. Uh, he's not going to forgo any senior scholarships. So I know that this is in jest garve, uh, but uh, maybe there's a future in in, uh, in this for him in the way that Tum Tum you know, has stuck around on the team. I love seeing Tum at the back of the uh, at the back of the uh, bench there. Uh, but uh, you're going to see Foster Lawyer taking up scholarship space his entire time at MSU. Yeah. So yeah, get used. All to right, it. this one's for everyone. Prop bet of the week. MSU's likelihood of making the NCAA tournament versus the three point their three point percentage against Maryland <laughs> over under at twenty eight point six percent. Garve, I want to point out that's roughly their three point percentage in all three of the last th- uh, last three games. So oof, oof, oof. Uh, I'm going to take over. I'm taking the over. Yeah, I'll take over. It's we're probably about one in three. It's probably closer to thirty three percent. We make the tournament. Yeah. Um, next but up. Also very good, Garf. Always. Yeah, just always, always good. Very good. Very good. Always very good. Uh, next up is upper deck jerk guy. Mel seems to be open to alternates. He means uh, uniforms. Yeah. How many different uniforms will we see in his career here? <laughs> uh, this probably relates to the reveal of the script state helmet that they would have worn against Maryland um, had they uh, had they played Maryland this year, which... I, for one, loved that helmet. I did, too. I don't know. I, I, I would love a script State football jersey, though. I'm sure there's some reason. I mean, that's the most obvious thing, right? So there's got to be some reason why they can't put it on the jersey. I, I just assume that Nike didn't have it for them. Like, okay. I, I, making, making a helmet is easier. Is easier than making the jerseys? Yeah, all those helmets are pretty much blanks, and they're just decals. And they just put the decals on them? Yeah. Yeah. Um... um I mean, the answer seems to be a lot. He's leaned in on the on the permutations of the uniforms. He's basically like, "Hey, is this something that'll get you guys excited? Let's do it." Yeah, but there, uh, I like your phrase though of permutations because, generally speaking, he's kept it uh, rooted right in in some version of tradition. So far, mm-hmm. we haven't seen crazy out of him yet. Well, TBD next I think, year, I think. Someone listening would be like neons would be screaming at their <clears throat> at their podcasting device. They, um, they were laying around in the in the in the closet. It's fine. Uh, next up from the abduct jerk guy, Plum. What do you think of Gabe Brown's game? I like Gabe Brown. I have liked Gabe Brown. I would like a little more consistency out of Gabe Brown, but he has a ton of energy. He typically puts the ball where it's supposed to be. Uh, fewer turnovers, I think today. Right and more rebounds. Yeah, really. So all of a sudden, collecting boards. So he was Gabe. he was a lot. I was happier with his performance today. Way to commit yeah. to the bit, uh, upper deck jerk guy. It's paying off. Uh, Jonesy, this one's for you because it's about young men. Teenagers. Uh, Amani mm-hmm. and Chet and Jaden <laughs> and Max and Pierre and Keon? Question mark. Uh, so uh, for those who don't know, uh. The upper deck, upper deck jerk guy is referencing uh, obviously Imani Bates, uh, 
Jade Nakins, uh, Max Christie, Pierre Brooks, uh, the latter three are, are current commits and, and signees and will be here next year. Keon Coleman was a football commit who plans on playing, is aspirationally planning on playing who will basketball. Make two appearances on the Brooklyn Center Court. Anyway. Whatever, man. Yeah. Whatever. It, whatever. It's better than Hoiberg. Uh, anyway, Chet, though, Chet Holmgren is uh, a five-star recruit who I believe beat Imani earlier in the year. And started liking tweets from some MSU, uh, generally speaking, MSU stuff. There's nothing I've heard that Chet is actually considering MSU. Um, I don't think we're even in the conversation. Yeah. So I think he's just being a guy who supports other guys who play sports. And not as like, you know, we're trying, but he's not interested. Like, I don't think Izzo's even attempting to recruit him. So honestly, though, not a thing. Maybe. Uh, okay. That's I, I, like, it wouldn't be crazy for him to reach out to someone who can play the five. That's enough. Uh, Twitter for you. Uh, next up plum from mom and maple leaf, the 2000 to 2016 Brazilian Santra basketball court was the God, same flooring. Why is used, she so Canadian? <laughs> was the same flooring used during the Spartan championship game at Indianapolis NCAA 2000 tournament. What flooring would you choose for your dream court? Uh, is there a way? <laughs> no, I'm not going to answer that. I better not say that out loud. Um, <laughs> is there a way to take this thing dark? Oh, like- <laughs> very dark. Yeah, it's the saddest darkness. Actually, I think that's really pretty. Um, I like that. I like. I didn't realize that we did that. Um, huh? I didn't realize that. Yeah, they bought the floor from Indianapolis and they used it for a long period of time. Long? It's now been pieced out. Uh, I would the take dream is the one that Cassius kissed. Just saying. Okay. Um, I would take the, the top of the key basketballs, uh, that there used to be, uh, for a long period of time. And I would take that and I would just make the whole floor out of those. That would be my dream. Court. Okay, cool. I'd like to see if they, if they, they must have something from old Jenison, right? You think they saved anything? Uh, probably not. I think they try to sell everything to make money on sure, it. Sure. That makes What if we could, uh, uh, what if we could buy the court from the Palestra? Ooh. From that game that we went to and we watched Penn State, a bad Penn State team win by like 20 points. Yeah. yeah. Or like that's court from one of those, uh, the game that we got destroyed on at the, uh, aircraft carrier. That was fun too. Also <laughs> a pass. Uh, next up from the sponsor. Stop everyone. Preserved H. <laughs> preserved H is in the house. Uh, Jonesy. Nope. Do like- I don't know what this is. Plum. I love bumpy oh. cake. I do. Oh, this is a Michigan. Oh, this thing. is a Mich- shame on you. San- Saunders. Shame Sanders on you. bumpy cake. Yummy. Nom, 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 nom. The answer is always oh, yes. Yeah, if it's Sanders, and those of us that are the real deal yeah. and not new coastal elite garbage. <laughs> garbage. The answer is yes. Here's your chance to redeem yourself. Jonesy. Pierogies or Coney dogs? So if I had to choose between the two. Oh my God, that's enough. That's all we had to hear. If I had to choose. It's well, hold on. It's pierogies. But fun fact, I learned there are pierogies that have Coney dog uh, chili nonsense inside of them, which yes, sign me up for those. You are truly the worst. Just the worst. If your choice is not pierogies, then you're a moron. Oh my God. Anyway. Next up, Coney dog. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. You need to be. You need to be corrected, okay? Because her third and final question here is: 
uh, where is your favorite Coney from? And then she gives a plug. If you haven't had bills off of Michigan Avenue in Ipsy, uh, she's treating everyone to it. They've got homemade root beer. So, okay, plug for bills. But, but Jones revealed his own ignorance by saying chili sauce when he referenced to Coney. A chili yep. dog is not a Coney dog. And unfortunately, and I have this, I have this, it is not. If you have been and had a Flint style Coney dog, you would know what a. Oh, that's true, a Flint style one. Which you would know what a true Coney dog is. A true Coney in the Flint style Coney sauce is beef heart. Ground beef, uh, chili powder, they got tomato paste, and it's got a whole bunch of stuff. But it is the beef heart that gives Coney sauce its notable texture, and it's very finely ground beef. If you are not having Flint style, you're having a chili dog, and you can go get your heart attack from it. Ack! Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Plum, what's the name of that like fast food-ish chain that's only in Flint? Angelo's? Um, you thinking of Angelo's? Is that what there's Angelo's Venus is out of, is out of uh, business. That's I like Venus, but they're closed. Uh, um, Jonesy, you don't get to talk right now. You're you're a damn fool. Um, the answer is I am Coney's. so bored by this conversation. Uh, no, uh, no one cares what you think. You have no credibility. We were doing and so good on time, and you two are derailing it. With oh, we're the one. Thing. Are you thinking of National Coney Island? Chili dog. Angelo's is the Flint local. I mean, if you're talking about Coney's, you're talking about Venus. Am I thinking about Halo Burger? Halo Burger Are doesn't there... have Coney's. Okay, it doesn't. No. Have they all, they have chili dogs. They don't have Coney's. Okay. Yep. Same thing. I, Next oh, up, Nick Kamansky. Oh, oh, oh. uh, Greg, what are the top three storylines you want to hear out of spring football for Mel Tucker's Spartan Dogs? You should... Spartan dogs. Every time I see it on Twitter, I imagine the person typing it is shouting. Uh, Nick notably made a typo, and we're the ones who can't read, can't write. Yeah. Uh, but also uh, notably, uh, Nick had a bit, and then he wanted to make a real question out of it. <laughs> always icky. Yeah, always icky. Top three storylines, though. I'm going to take it at its word, Nick. I'm going to assume that you were sincere in this question. Top three storylines. What's going on with? the new quarterback situation. I think that's probably first and foremost. Everybody's question. Everyone's question. Second, what's going on with the defensive backs? Because that, as we've already alluded to, but I don't think fully talked about that position grouping has entirely uh, turned over. And then what's happening at the lines. Um, There were some guys in the program that fans were kind of looking at as being the future They've now transferred. There's been some transfers in. I don't think MSU fandom really knows what to expect from any of those three critical position groups. Meanwhile, you know what you got with the wide receivers and the running backs and the linebackers. So well, there's, we've got some additions that. at running back, which are exciting. You also forgot to ask which of the new uh, staff on his team will become the next Curtis Blackwell. <laughs> so. Oof. Big oof. Let's hope zero. All right. <laughs> uh, next up from Nick Kamansky, Plum. What do you think of the new? Oh, I'll answer this one. What do you think of the new Mario Kart ride at Universal's Super Nintendo World? Uh, my question is, what is it for? If you've already got Mario Kart Live Home Circuit, wow. What? What? What do you need to go to to Universal Studios for when you can do Mario Kart in your own house through augmented reality during a pandemic, Nick? Huh? Huh? 
too much time. This it's- week's ratings, Greg <laughs> equals chap lad, a combo like an A++ for his subtle use of the ratings language and knowledge of the MCU. Jonesy equals lad for all his unwavering belief in MSU basketball. They are definitely winning it all. Wait, Nick, how do I not get credit for rewatching the entire MCU in chronological or in timeline yeah, that order? Was even more uh, MCU. Plus, I mean, he he rewatched I, Thor two for this. I, I've not. Wait, did I do Thor two? Yes, I did. I'm. I finished up Guardians of the Galaxy two. That's where I am now. Um, and Plum equals Chap for clearly loving his dog. If that's all it takes, my. And honestly, if you knew the things Plum said about his dog, yeah, I, I did not earn the. I did not earn the Chap ranking. Uh, Jonesy, I have a question for you. Out of all of this, my memory of the MCU is that Iron Man three is the worst film in the MCU. Do you agree with that statement? Like, where are you at on that? I'm not to. I'm not there yet. Um, oh, I really didn't have a use for Iron Man three, but it it can't be worse than Dark World. I mean. It, it can't be worse it's than dark. So Next up, Raymond Chains. Raymond Chains asks, at what point does trolling just become mean-spirited? Mea culpa, I reincarnated on Twitter. Raymond Chains is reborn a new man. He is. You know, actually, I want to say, I got to give him, uh, Raymond credit for that. I, I think it is, uh, I think at a certain point, you know, you realize the meanness or the toxicity or the whatever it is that you're spewing to just pulp to prove people wrong starts to take a hit on you and it becomes, you know, it becomes a darkness that now you're carrying because of Do you because become of what you hate. Yeah. You, well, I don't know if that, I mean, but you become part of it. And uh, I think extricating yourself from it, it takes a lot of, uh, takes a lot of self-awareness and strength. So uh, pat on the back. We've all grown chains. from this experience. Sure. We've all grown. Sure. Uh, Greg, what can we do to encourage more brawling in men's and women's collegiate <laughs> basketball? In <laughs> ah, all seriousness, why can't Homer's acknowledge that MSU had calls go its way without getting ass pain? I, uh, I think I made the joke in our group uh, group chat, Raymond Chains, that the fix is in and it's in for it's us. In for us. <laughs> you know, and I had to call Jones. Tell them. Tell them what we talked about regarding I had I know yeah well no that no at the Ohio State game I called you and I was like and no one ever gives no one we don't ever take the credit when it comes to us the fuck the calls that we got at the end of that Ohio State game that worked in our favor and it were someone will be bitching about how Michigan State didn't get the referees calls some other week but this clearly went in our favor and uh, we need to acknowledge that yeah yeah no I I do think Raymond is particularly dialing in on the Illinois game uh in particular because which, they was big mad that week yeah it, the well, actually the current generation continue to, to be big mad but uh but they got he got his flagrant too what, what did they need to flog him then as well yeah i i mean and i think the point is that it's it's fine to say well they also you know I think fairly maybe we're a little mad about the no call on Lankford at the end of the game which maybe maybe ties the game for them um, uh, yeah, we got some calls. I think the point is in that game in particular, Raymond, that it was just a terribly officiated game. Yeah. I, I, like, so yeah, we got some calls, but the point being, let's not pretend that Illinois didn't get a ton of calls. There's video of Kofi Coburn punching Mati Sissoko. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> There's no basketball move that's justified by that. <laughs> That's the least basketball-y of them all. Yeah, Mati Sissoko's block to the face of Io was more of a basketball, more basketball. move. Way more basketball. Yes. So, no, I, I, yes, Raymond, you will 
let's as a podcast, we are all on record. We got some calls, but I think let's, both let's, can let's, be right at the same time, right? Exactly, like, exactly. Both. It, you don't. Right. It doesn't have to just be one thing. I and that I, I, is kind I, of what, as a society, especially on Twitter, we kind of boil it down to these days. Like there can only be one true right. Yeah, I think uh, for me, I'm usually yeah, in, in the heat society, of society, In the heat of a moment, I am prone to say, "How is there not a call there?" Or I can't believe that. And then if you show me the replay, oftentimes, not always, because sometimes I will disagree. But oftentimes, when I see the replay, I'm like, "Oh yeah, that was right," and I I will acknowledge that in the moment. But uh, there was some nonsense in that Illinois game. Hands Speaking down. of the moment, the one that you've all been waiting for from Raymond Chains. Nice transition. This week on Behind the Scenes with Tom Izzo, the new in canon uh, series that is is not exactly uh, D'Antonio, but but it is still in the same universe. The coach decides to crowdsource his YouTube side project. Should it be one red sauce and sausage parties cooking with Tom, <laughs> two Italian Americans of Iron Mountain, and ethnography? An eth- an eth- an ethnography? ethnography, an ethnography. Yes, thank you. I can, I can. You did it. Not read and not you write. Did it. Uh, or three, two coaches, one movie. Tom and Mark watched films. This generation, Siskel and Ebert. Finally, we have another one. Uh, I think. I think. I just want Italian Americans of Iron Mountain. No subtitle. I just want Italian American, like the Real Housewives of New Jersey, but Italian Americans of Iron Mountain. That's what I want. Yeah, and they just make sauce and they make pasties. Yeah, and it's it's amazing. That's it. Italian uh, pasties. I know that the pasties aren't traditionally Italian, but anyway, brilliant. Well, I would watch all three of these, and when Upper Deck Jerka and I get our Netflix series, bring them all through. This is this is a great addition to the RCU, the Raymond James universe, uh, mm-hmm. and we're big fans. Next up, Vodka Soda 19. Uh, Plum, since last week uh, you declared your decline for an invitation to the dance based off of them allowing 25% attendance, I'm assuming you would still decline the invite because principles. Oh, I'll do you one better. I'm still declining the uh, invite because we're not good enough to go. That's the reason. Okay. As a follow-up to Plum's response last week about the vaccine versus different strains, does he feel the same about the California strain? Uh, I'll tell you, I feel the same about all the strains. There is insufficient evidence to know exactly how effective or ineffective these vaccines are against them, but all of them have the same purported benefit, which is they know the main core identity of the coronavirus, and they're still going to lessen the severity of the impact, um, no matter what strain you get. So we have not, we with none of the strains, we still haven't seen a patient that's fully inoculated die from coronavirus, and that's really the thing you want to hang your head on. Yeah, Plum, take that J and J and put it in my arm as fast as possible, yep. please. Thank you very much. Yep. Plum, I got a question for you about how these things are academically referred to, because um, certainly uh, the former president got into a lot of trouble for referring to coronavirus in a certain way that was viewed as racist right? Um, and, and was racist. But we seem very willing, um, all of us. So I, I'm not trying to call vodka soda 19 out here uh, because you can you can say there's less racism by saying it's the California strain or the UK strain. But like, it, it, academically, do we refer to these things as uh, a, a, with a geographic tie? Uh, academically, no. Academic no. academics would never use these terms. I mean, rarely. I mean, I 
maybe once it became part of the common parlance. Academics name these things based on nomenclature that's well established in their fields. And those, of course, are specific to the fields. So it becomes what the media does. It becomes what becomes parlance and what we say. So, um, yeah, I'm sure each one of these has like some strain ID that is actually. I mean, we're still calling it the Spanish flu, aren't we? You know, and I think uh, in, a, in an earlier time, maybe even 10 years ago, we probably would have called this the Chinese flu or something horrible. Also, can we just say that there's intent as part of this? Like when you just oh, casually yes, sure. mentioned yes, the yes. California strain, it's not the same as what. Oh, Trump yeah, no, no, no. I, I'm not I'm not trying to say that it's equal. I'm just wondering when we start talking about variations that are localized to a region or seem to, to gain predominance there. It was more like, how does the community refer to it? Um, it, it was not, right. yes, they're not, the, they're not the same at all. Well, and, I, and again, a strain of a bacteria or a strain of a virus is different than like, this isn't the flu. And so calling it Wuhan flu or something, you know, it's just, it's, it's so wrong. It's just because it's, yeah. it's lazy. It's sloppy. It's pejorative. It's, it's derivative. It's, it's just gross. It's gross. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Jones, uh, do you like Kahlua? I do. I do. And you know what, Kalua? Not a terrible shot when you need to. All right. Do you wanna do you wanna let the audience know what we've been up to this week? Uh, we may have decided that uh I called Greg uh I believe during halftime of the I Illinois just wanted game. to call this out so that Plum would feel like he, he was on I talked to Plum too. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go to one of my emotional support systems. It's you two and my dad. Uh <laughs> So, no, but I, I called Greg, and uh, you weren't quite convinced that the Illinois game was going to come our way. And uh, somehow we decided that we were going to do a shot afterwards, which sounded like a great idea, until I realized all I had available to me was <laughs> Greg is perusing a myriad of uh, liquor options and lands on fucking Tito somehow. But, but I wanted to try a Tito shot. I've never done one before. Why would you so ever I shoot vodka? That's just stupid. Thank Listen, you. Thank I'm watching. You. I'm watching my college team. I wanted a college shot. Then so go get Burnett's. Like, get out of here. College shot is Tito's. My God. All right, listen, we got to move on because it's been about six hours and these poor, poor people. Last Twitter questioner for oh, the week Jesus. is John Hubbard. Greg, this one's going to you. Isn't it odd that the basketball team is losing the games they should win and winning the games they should lose the same year sports betting is legalized in Michigan. Has anyone checked on Izzo? Is he in some kind of money trouble? The fix is in John there it Hubbard. Is. There it is. I actually don't know how MSU has performed relative to the uh, to the spread in these games. I assume beat the spread in two, and then uh, what was the spread in the Maryland game? Uh, what has been inc- incredible to me, Plum, have you noticed this? How fast all of the online betting stuff has shown up in advertisements on these games after Michigan legalized sports betting. It was like, they didn't miss a heartbeat. So, it was unreal. So, so a buddy had to tell me all about basically how betting works. And I, I don't really still understand spreads and like the over under and things. I mean, I do now because it's been explained to me so many times, but I'm V dense. So no, I, I'm, I'm continually surprised at how all this works. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. But also, uh, clearly the fix is in, John. It is. Way to call that Jones, out. There should be a investigation. Jones, last question that. is for you. What MSU figure do you want Hondo to write a fake obit headline for? Do you guys know that what this is about? I don't. I no. don't. Explain it. Okay. So Hondo Carpenter, uh, you know, longtime uh, joke of a, uh, a journalist, <laughs> uh, 
has. I thought you were going to uh, say human being there. <laughs> that I was too. like, whoa. Uh, I know it's Hondo, but. Uh, but so he has since moved to from covering MSU to the Raiders for Sports Illustrated. Um, and he's been uh, releasing a series of, of articles on, you know, former uh, Raiders greats. And his headline today is. <laughs> oh, my God. Remembering Raiders legend defensive end Howie Long. And like. <laughs> It just seems like Howie Long is dead, <laughs> and he's very much alive. <laughs> so stupid. So uh, it is very <laughs> stupid, and it's so hondo. Um, honestly, I think I would. Uh, I I want Bill Beekman. Beekman. I, I want a fake. Be- I want a fake obit for uh, for uh, Bill Beekman. All right, uh, hondo. It should be noted. Big criticism. Uh, for Bill Beekman, didn't mm-hmm. like the Tucker hire. Right. So, anyway, love that. Shocker! I love a deep Hondo cut, John. So thank you for bringing that to all of us. All right, gentlemen, it's been an episode that we were ahead of schedule and then got way behind schedule. So with that, uh, everyone, it was actually, despite the loss today, a great basketball week. So a resounding go green, go white, go white, gentlemen.